Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 26th episode on February 2nd, 2021. Let's talk about the easy yet complicated peperomia. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough Houseplant Homebody, don't forget I send a monthly newsletter on the first of every month with also exclusive content and some updates on what happened the previous month. All right, let's dive in. I didn't want to scare you with the easy yet complicated peperomia, but I thought I'd throw it out there in the very beginning because peperomia are pretty easy houseplants, but based on the so many different varieties, some of them take different care needs than others, which makes it complicated. So they come in all sorts of different textures, colors, shapes, sizes, and they happen to be obviously a great starter plant for any beginner houseplant owner, or there's so many varieties out there that they're an amazing plant to collect for experienced houseplant lovers. The good thing about peperomia is they can take a little bit of neglect while you're trying to learn the ropes on how to take care of these plants. So the common name for peperomia really honestly depends on the variety you're getting, but most of the time they're commonly called radiator plants. Obviously, like I said, there are some that don't necessarily fall into that category, but if you're thinking radiator plant, you're thinking peperomia. So there are over 1,500 different species of peperomia out there. So obviously, I'm not going to go over all of those, but I do have quite a few listed on my blog, and I will go through those quickly now, and I'll describe them just a little bit. Um, So this might be slightly confusing because I'm going to say peperomia a lot, but we're just going to start. So Peperomia obtusifolia is probably one of the most popular ones. It's commonly called baby rubber plant. And there are varieties that are variegated and some that just have a plain green leaf and some that have a red edge to them. So a cultivar or variety name is variegata, marble, red edge, or golden gate are commonly out there. The second one that I have listed is Peperomia argyria, which is commonly called the watermelon Peperomia. And the reason that is called that is because it literally looks like when you flip a watermelon over, that is what this leaf looks like. The third one is Peperomia caperat or caperat. This one is also commonly called the ripple Peperomia. So there are varieties like emerald ripple, ruby ripple, and red ripple out there. And the reason they're called ripple is because the veins are very deep and they have very, very thick leaves, and it looks like there are little ripples in the leaves. The fourth one is Peperomia postrata, which is commonly called string of turtles, and this one is getting super popular because of the adorable pattern and the growth habit that it allows. The pattern on the leaves is almost like a dark brown color, but it looks like a literal turtle shell, so it's so cute. And since it's a trailing plant, that's why it's becoming super popular because people love hanging them off their shelves and just watching them keep growing down. The fifth one is Peperomia clusifolia, I think, which is commonly called the tricolor peperomia or the Ginny peperomia. 
And yes, Ginny, like Ron Weasley's sister in Harry Potter, <laughs> this has multiple colors in it. It's so pretty. It has shades of pink and red, yellows, creams, and greens all in the same plant. The sixth one is called the Hope Peperomia, which is a hybrid. And this just has a dark green round leaf on a trailing stem. Pretty simple, but super cute. I have one of these. The next one is Ruby Cascades Peperomia. This is also a hybrid and this has small green leaves with completely reddish pink undersides to the leaves and a pinkish toned stem. A little bit more delicate than some of the other Peperomia out there. The next one is Peperomia polybotrea, which is commonly called raindrop peperomia or coin leaf peperomia. It's just a dark green leaf that looks a little bit more like a raindrop shape than completely circular leaf that has super thick waxy leaves. The next one is Peperomia orba, which is very, very similar to the last one that we just talked about, but this one's commonly called teardrop peperomia or pixie peperomia, and it has a little bit more of the true teardrop shape. So it has a, more of a point than the last one does. The next one is Peperomia gravelins, I think, or gravelins, also commonly called Ruby Glow Peperomia. This has a very weird shape to it, very uncommon to the other varieties that we've talked about so far. It almost has like a curved leaf. So it looks like it wanted to be round, but then like fate just brought it in closer to itself. And it has almost like a lime green center with a rosy reddish underside to the leaves. The next one is Peperomia putillata. This one is commonly called parallel Peperomia. And this is because the stripes on the leaves are parallel to each side of the leaf. And usually this comes in a green leaf, a little bit of a white veining to it. Not as thick as some of the other Peperomias discussed. The next is Peperomia scandens, commonly called Cupid Peperomia or Piper Peperomia. This looks freakishly similar to a thicker leafed pothos or a variegated pothos or specifically a pearls and jade pothos. So if you get the variegated one, obviously, but it is trailing just like a pothos would and the leaves are probably a little bit smaller than that, but they are very similar to it. The next one is Peperomia rotundiflora, commonly called trailing jade peperomia or creeping buttons. How awesome is that name? <laughs> and this literally sounds like the name creeping buttons. So it just looks like super similar to the hope peperomia, just the small green leaf that trails down. And the next one is Peppermill Peperomia, which is also a hybrid. And this has a green leaf, but then it almost has a copper veining and copper stripes in the middle of the leaf. So pretty cool. I found this in the like two inch plant section and it's already grown a lot. So I really like it. So obviously that's not 1500 plants, but it's still a lot. So I do have those listed on the blog. So I do have nine Peperomia in total, seven unique varieties. So that's really fun. And I'm really glad I have all of those so I could photograph all of them for the blog post. So if you want to see those, just hop on over to the blog post at houseplant-homebody.com and you will see all the images on there. And I decided to add a section at the end of the blog detailing from the top of the blog to the bottom what images are which variety of peperomia that way you can put a visual to everything you're hearing here so i have peperomia obtusifolia variegata i have two of those 
or the baby rubber plants, the variegated version. I have the one of the ripple plants, but I'm not sure what variety it is. I was told it was a frost variety, but I don't think it is. I almost think it is a little bit different. I've seen a variety called Napoli Night that looks really similar, so that might be what that is. I also have two of the Peperomia prostrata or the string of turtles, but I got those when they were super, super small and they only grew probably about an inch in like five or six months. So we'll get into that later. But I also have the Ginny Peperomia. If you don't know me, I love Harry Potter to the point where I'm rereading all the books. I listened to a podcast called Swish and Flick that's all about it. And I've rewatched the movie several times. So I was very happy to get that one. <laughs> I also have the Hope Peperomia. And that was one of those I actually thought it was a Hoya when I first got it because it looks so similar to a Hoya. But I put it up on my Instagram story asking if people knew and people told me it was Hope and it definitely was. The next one I have is Ruby Cascades Peperomia. Super cool. It's actually growing much faster than the String of Turtles, for example. So love that one. And the last one I have is the Peppermill Peperomia. And that one, as I said, I got as a very small plant, but it's already got a ton of new leaves. So that's really exciting. So those are the ones I have. And if you want to see what they look like and what I'm talking about, just go right to the website. If you just Google search the other varieties that I do not have, you'll be able to find images easily. Otherwise, I have a lot of houseplant books. That's where I got most of these varieties from and what they look like. I think that's it for talking about the actual varieties. I think that was long enough, right? So <laughs> let's go into the actual care. We're going to jump into sun and water requirements next. Okay, so this is where it starts to get complicated with the sun requirements because all the different varieties tend to need different care when it comes to what kind of sunlight they require. So I'm going to give you an overall and then two asterisks, okay? <laughs> so overall, the consensus is most, emphasis on most, Peperomia can handle medium light. In nature, you find them as an understory plant, so this totally makes sense. Now, if you have a plant that has darker foliage or a dark green or almost like a black foliage, because that does exist in these, with no variegation, most, emphasis on most, of those varieties can handle low to medium light. And the second asterisk, if you have a peperomia with variegation or multiple colors in the leaves, these can handle obviously medium, but also bright and indirect light. The more variegation and the more change in colors you have on the leaves, the brighter light it really needs to sustain those different colors. And for peperomia in general, you just wanna avoid direct sunlight. So keeping it in that bright indirect light is best. A west window is great. An east window is great. If it's off of a south window, that's cool too. So obviously there are exceptions. That's why I'm saying emphasis on most. But overall, that's been kind of the sun requirement consensus for peperomia. That makes sense. Pretty simple. Overall, you can't really screw it up since all the varieties can handle medium light. The only thing that might really happen is that if you don't have a variegated variety in enough light, it might lose the variegation. And you can put it back into more sunlight once you figure that out, that it's not happening like the way it needs to, and you can move it. Okay, so next is water requirements. This is pretty simple since almost all the peperomia follow the same watering rule. Hallelujah. So 
You may have noticed me talking about rubbery or waxy leaves, and it almost looks like these leaves are somewhat succulent. Don't be fooled. These aren't succulents. But because of those thicker leaves, they can retain a little bit more water. That being said, since they aren't succulent, they actually like to be consistently moist, but never wet or waterlogged. So when your soil is just about to dry out, that's when you water it again. If you're worried about overwatering, because that is the number one killer of these, wait another day or two and make sure the soil really dries out. And honestly, a moisture meter reader is probably the best way to figure out whether or not you need to water these. But if you can't buy one of those, I would highly recommend sticking your finger down in there or... Sometimes these plants, like the Peperomia obtusifolia, will wilt a little bit when it needs water, so you can let the plant get to that point, so that way you know for sure that it needs water. All right, moral of the watering story, when they're almost dry, water them. But if you wait until they're completely dry, they will survive. (laughs) Okay, so in regards to humidity, most, emphasis on most, Peperomia are sufficient with your normal household humidity. None of the peperomia that I have are near my humidifier, and they are honestly thriving, still growing in winter, still going great, love and life. Even though they don't need it, it can always help because these guys are native to tropical and subtropical climates where humidity is higher. So you, if you have the chance to put it near a humidifier or place it inside of a little greenhouse or greenhouse cabinet you have or just misting it every once in a while, it will obviously help and increase your chances to succeed with this plant, but it doesn't need it, which is fabulous. The less maintenance, the better. Am I right? All right, let's jump into fertilization and propagation next. So as I always say with fertilization, there are so many correct ways to do this. So in the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual by Barbara Pleasant, it's a book I have, it recommends the following. Spring to fall, feed twice monthly with a balanced houseplant fertilizer mixed at half the normal rate. In winter, feed monthly. And then I grabbed another source just to see what the difference was or if there was one. And I grabbed my Dr. Houseplant book by William Davidson. And that recommends in summer feed every two weeks using half the recommended dose. So overall, they have both have the same concept. Usually the houseplant fertilizer is recommended to use at a slightly lower rate. That way you're not over fertilizing because over fertilization could be the source of a problem with houseplants. So currently what I do, which is kind of similar to what they do in a way, I fertilize with an Espoma Indoor Liquid Plant Food, and I use that slightly less than the recommended amount every month during peak season. For me, peak season is kind of end of February to end of October. And in winter, I fertilize probably every two months. Realistically, it's just December because the second month is February. (laughs) So that has worked for me, but I think with some plants, fertilizing a little bit more often would help, but so far doing it every month for me has worked also. Obviously, the two sources that I just talked about that referred to the fertilization talked about doing it twice monthly or every two weeks, the other one says. So maybe I should be doing it every two weeks instead of every month, but there are some houseplants out there that need it every month, not every two weeks. So I just try to keep it consistent and I would much rather under fertilize than over fertilize my houseplants. So that is fertilization. I have 
those two books linked on the blog post and I also have the fertilizer that I use linked on the blog post. This is the first year I started using that Espoma indoor plant food. Previously, I've used slow release granular fertilizer. I just wanted to get away from that because I thought I could control the fertilization application just a little bit more when using that liquid plant food. Okay, so propagation. This is also where it gets a little foggy because there are a couple ways to do it and it really depends on what variety you have and what variety you can do it with. So there are two ways, two main ways of doing it and it's stem cutting or leaf cutting. And by leaf cutting, I mean you're taking just one leaf and a little bit of the stem or the petiole, which is just, I believe, the stem just underneath the leaf. Overall, in order to do a stem cutting, you got to be able to cut an inch or two below a leaf and allow two to three leaves above where you cut on the stem. So it will produce roots and form a brand new stem off of that one that you have propagating. If you can't do that and you don't have a stem with multiple leaves like that, then more than likely you're going to propagate with the leaf cutting or the leaf petiole cuttings way. So the funny thing is there are some that can do both. So for example, Peperomia obtusiflora can be propagated both ways. It's same with the Peperomia prostrata, the string of turtles. But I did list all the varieties in which ones you can do for both of them. So that should clarify a little bit more. But for example, the peperomia that has a little bit more of a mounding habit, like the ripple peperomia, that's only going to have one leaf per stem. So you're going to do the leaf cutting propagation, not the stem cutting propagation, if that makes sense. Okay, now let's jump into all the other facts that I have listed. Okay, so how's everyone feeling about the peperomia? Pretty simple stuff, am I right? I mean, these plants in general are super easy to take care of. There's not a lot to them. If you don't want to propagate them, then obviously you don't need to listen to that section. If you just want to grow it properly, well, then you already listened to what you need to. So very simple. I have nine of them and I haven't failed at any of them so far. First try, doing great, no issues. Okay, so for the other facts, it is part of the Piperaceae family, which also contains black pepper, which is interesting. As I said earlier, they are native primarily to tropical and subtropical climates, which means Central America, the northern part of South America, parts of Africa, and parts of Australia is where these plants can be found in the wild. Peperomia are epiphytes in their native habitat too, so a lot of times you're going to find them growing off of, for example, like a rotten tree trunk or a rotten like tree bark or something like that. And since they are growing off of something on the ground or just off the ground, obviously they are an understory plant. So Peperomia in general, their leaves, I've said this a couple times, are a little thicker and they have like a waxy texture to them, kind of like rubber. And I know we've referred to the obtusifolia as tiny rubber plant. I don't want you to get this confused with the ficus called rubber plant. They're not the same. They're not related. It's just because of the texture leaf that they are being compared that way. So I don't want you to get that confused. And as I said earlier, they are succulent-like and a lot of different resources talk about how these are succulents, but they are not succulents. 
I have several succulent cacti books and they do not show up in any of them. They are not classified in that. They are not even in the same family as that. So they are not succulent. I just wanted to emphasize that. Even though they are rubbery and they can hold a little bit more water than your normal houseplant, they don't have the same habits as a succulent, if that makes sense. So talked about the texture of the leaf, but the actual colors that this guy comes in is anywhere from shades of green, almost like shades of greenish blue sometimes, like my frost is a little bluey. I don't know, bluey is not a word, but whatever. Um, <laughs> there are shades of red, pink, purples, whites, and a combination of all of those and variegations on others and all of those combined. The overall size that these get is usually pretty small. So most of the varieties listed don't really exceed maybe at most 12 inches tall or long, but a lot of them stay closer to that 8 to 10 inch size. So that's great for a simple tabletop houseplant or a small apartment. There are a few varieties that do exceed that. So the string of turtles, the Peperomia clusifolia, the Ruby Cascade and the Scandins all exceed that, whether it's by like, you know, five inches or the Scandins can get up to three feet long. So they can exceed it, but most of them are going to stay in that really compact form. And even though the varieties can exceed that 12 inches, all of them are super slow growing. So it's going to take a hot second to get to where you want them to be. But if you have the patience, they will definitely get to a decent size, especially the ones that are going to exceed those 12 inches. They'll just keep getting fuller and bigger as time goes on. Another little fun fact is that Peperomia do not have a really extensive root system, so repotting isn't needed often. They love to be root-bound, so don't be increasing their pot size every year because that's really just going to bug them more than it will help them. You can repot them every couple years to replace the depleted soil, but you shouldn't need to increase the pot size unless they are super, super, super root-bound. I mentioned this earlier, but if you do see the leaves drooping, this could be a sign of underwatering, but it also could be a sign of not enough oxygen getting to the roots. The root system actually likes to get a little bit more oxygen, so you might want to use a lighter potting mix, such as a peat-based soil, or just adding extra perlite. That way the soil drains and it's getting a little bit more oxygen to it. One thing that I'm always nervous about is pests. And the good thing about Peperomia is they are pretty pest resistant. I mean, of course, they're susceptible to common houseplant pests like spider mites or mealybugs, but I haven't had any issues with any of my Peperomia at all. And I'm most worried about the Obtusifolia because it has the most nooks and crannies, but I haven't seen anything wrong with them. And I've had that one, well, I've had one of them for close to a year. So that's great. Peperomia do bloom, but it's very insignificant. It almost looks like a white rat tail sticking out of the top of the plant. It's, it's not very attractive. <laughs> Most people end up cutting it off so that the energy is spent on the foliage instead of focused on those blooms. But if you like a little bit of change and you want the bloom, that's cool too. I'd probably leave it for a bit and then once I get sick of it, I would cut it off. <laughs> And another actually really fun thing that I found in the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual, they said that Peperomia can actually do pretty well in an office setting. They specifically talk about the Peperomia obtusifolia, but I'm sure other varieties will work. I would just maybe avoid the highly variegated varieties since you're not going to have that really brighter light. But 
fluorescent light is actually pretty bright in an office, so that would supply that medium light that your plant needs. And probably saving the best fun fact for last and probably my most asked question, and I will do a blog on this and a podcast on this at some point, but peperomia are pet friendly. Score, right? There's so many varieties, so many different ways they grow that you can put this all over your house. And if your cat decides to eat it one day, it won't be the end of the world. So that's a wrap up on the peperomia for today. Thanks for tuning into the 26th episode all about peperomia. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast, my blog, and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me, and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. obviously you didn't get rid of me yet (laughs) I just wanted to stop on and say hello and I really wanted to thank everyone for all they've been doing for houseplant homebody uh thank you to the patreon members who continue to support me and I really want to thank everyone that comments on my posts shares things responds to the questions on my stories you are all helping me find more and more plant people out there that either need help or don't and just like to learn about plants and see what other people do so I am going to have a couple episodes coming up with interviews and just talking with um, some other people about houseplants. And if you have any suggestions, feel free to DM me or message me, email me. You can go right to my website. That'll give you all the contact information. And let me know if you have any topics that you want to hear about. I got some good answers on my most recent story that I posted, but I would love to hear more too. Um, And I'll continue to ask questions like that just to make sure I'm getting everyone responding and just so I can answer everyone's question too. So again, just thank you for supporting me and helping me out and liking, sharing, commenting, everything. And don't forget that you can always go back to my website, houseplant homebody.com that has the corresponding blog posts and you're welcome to comment on those too i love to see comments on there i frequently ask within the blog for anyone to comment and let me know their own experience with it because houseplant homebody is a spot for people to share their information and that's the whole point of it so i just want to keep sharing and understanding if something's successful for someone else and not for the next person we want to know that so just thank you for your support and thank you for helping me out and i will talk to you later bye